BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report, and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. State lawmakers have introduced a bill to extend protections for tenants waiting on rent relief from the state. KQED's Molly Solomon reports this comes just days before protections were set to expire. Currently, renters who've applied for rent relief and are waiting for a payout aren't supposed to be evicted. A new bill would extend that rule from the end of March to the end of June. But it won't extend the deadline to apply for rent relief. That's frustrating tenant advocates like Brian Augusta with the California Rural Legal Assistance Foundation. The reality is there are still a tremendous number of households who are saying that coming April first, they're not going to be able to pay the rent. The state's rent relief program has been slow to get the money out. According to their own dashboard, only 43 percent of applicants have been paid. The plan also preempts stronger local protection from going into effect, like those passed in San Francisco and Los Angeles County. Lawmakers plan to have a hearing on the bill next week. For the California Report, I'm Molly Solomon. A civilian panel that monitors L.A. County's Sheriff's Department says it's launching an investigation into alleged deputy gangs or cliques operating within the department. Civilian Oversight Commission Chair Sean Kennedy says deputy gangs have used excessive force against citizens, discriminated against colleagues, and undermined the chain of command. The announcement comes just days after Los Angeles County Inspector General Max Huntsman reported that he had identified dozens of deputies who allegedly belonged to active gangs within the department. Huntsman spoke to partner station KCRW. I think it absolutely destroys the credibility of the sheriff's department uh, across the board for the the larger community to see uh, these kinds of groups protected, to see the information about them not provided in discovery as required by the Constitution. This week, Sheriff Alex Villanueva attacked the inspector general's report, saying the department has not received any allegations of deputy cliques. Let's stay in Los Angeles and turn to politics. The race to be L.A.'s next mayor has kicked off, and the leading candidates include a congresswoman, the city attorney, two members of the city council, and a billionaire real estate developer. And as they campaign, all of the candidates are promising to tackle one issue if elected. Here are some examples. I'm running for mayor because the city we love is in a state of emergency rampant homelessness. Today, our neighborhoods are facing a public health, safety, and humanitarian crisis, homelessness. I'm Joe Buscaino, and I'm running for mayor because solving the homeless problem in Los Angeles is personal to me. LA's mayoral candidates are talking about homelessness because that's what Angelinos are talking and worrying about. A recent LA Times poll found that 73% of LA voters consider homelessness a very serious problem, and 79% feel like homelessness has gotten worse in the city. I want uh, the next mayor to deal with the homeless situation. That's Ignacio Gutierrez, a resident of Northeast Los Angeles where homeless encampments have grown in recent years. We have a big issue with homeless in L.A. Is that like top of the list for you? That's top of the list for me because everywhere you go in L.A., you have a homeless situation. In response, mayoral candidate Kevin DeLeon, a former state senator and current city council member, is highlighting his track record fighting homelessness. You know, I'm not waiting to become mayor to act on this issue because I'm acting on this issue right now. 
Like other mayoral candidates, De Leon is championing programs to move unhoused people into renovated motels and so-called tiny home villages, where the unhoused also receive support services like addiction counseling. If elected mayor, De Leon promises to create 25,000 units of such homeless housing by the year 2025. If we can move heaven and earth, build football stadiums and basketball arenas, we can as sure as hell do the same thing to bring our unhoused neighbors off the streets and put a roof over their head. But L.A. is struggling to meet its current goal of building 10,000 units of permanent homeless housing within 10 years. After five years of effort, fewer than 1,200 units have been built, often at a price tag of more than half a million dollars per unit. And another challenge? Some L.A. homeless activists are criticizing the mayoral candidates for favoring, to different degrees, the city's efforts to dismantle homeless encampments near schools, parks, and public facilities. If temporary shelter can be provided to the unhoused elsewhere, Recently, activists held a demonstration to protest the planned removal of a homeless camp of several dozen people on a plaza in L.A.'s Little Tokyo neighborhood. Theo Henderson, an activist who also hosts a podcast about homelessness, was one of the protest organizers. He accuses the mayoral candidates of taking tougher approaches to homeless encampments to curry favor with voters is really producing more criminalization, more demonization. And in fact, it seems like the politicians are outdoing each other on how much they can be uh, anti-unhoused against each other. And what about the homeless themselves? Well, at the encampment that was dismantled in Little Tokyo, I met a man who called himself Alan the Professional. Alan said he understands Angelino's frustrations with the problems created by homelessness, but believes the city's next mayor should be able to find the resources to get more people housed. They got enough money to move us somewhere else, you know, and get us to somewhere nice. It's Los Angeles, you know, one of the most, you know, successful cities in the world. It's the richest city in the country, you know. I feel like they can do something a lot better than what they're doing if they really wanted to do it. Meanwhile, as the mayoral candidates talk about homelessness, Los Angeles is again trying to understand the scope of the crisis. The city is in the midst of a homeless count, which was delayed last year because of the pandemic. The results should be released over the summer. Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone? hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yet another guard at the federal women's prison in the Bay Area city of Dublin has been charged with sexual abuse. This at a lockup nicknamed the Rape Club by people incarcerated there. KQED's Alex Emsley reports. 49-year-old Enrique Chavez faces two counts of abusive sexual contact, stemming from two alleged incidents of groping the same incarcerated woman in late 2020. 
Though he was arrested in Arizona on Sunday, federal prosecutors successfully argued to keep the case sealed until law enforcement could serve multiple search warrants on more as yet unidentified suspects in the growing probe of sexual abuse at the prison. Chavez is the fifth employee of the Federal Corrections Institution Dublin to be arrested since late last year, when former warden Ray Garcia was indicted for two counts of sexual abuse. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hemsley. State Attorney General Rob Bonta is once again threatening legal action against a California city that's accused of skirting a new state housing law. SB 9 allows for construction of up to four housing units on land that's been previously zoned for single-family homes. Bonta has sent a letter to the city of Encinitas in North San Diego County urging leaders to approve construction of an apartment complex that would include dozens of units for low-income residents. The city council denied a developer's appeal to permit the project late last year after it drew opposition from residents. Attorney General Bonta has issued similar warnings to the Bay Area city of Woodside and the city of Pasadena after they also attempted to circumvent SB 9. Three Muslim Americans are suing the Department of Homeland Security over what they say is unconstitutional treatment at Los Angeles International Airport. KCRW's Tara Atrian has more. According to a lawsuit filed by the ACLU Foundation of Southern California and two other civil rights groups, the three Muslim Americans were subjected to inappropriate interrogation from U.S. Custom and Border Protection officers when they arrived at LAX from abroad. Among the questions include whether they are Muslim and if so, which religious branch they are a part of, whether they attend a mosque and if so, which one and how often they pray. The plaintiffs say the officers keep the answers to their questions in a law enforcement database for up to 75 years. The civil rights groups claim the questioning by the federal officers violates the travelers' First Amendment freedom of religion alongside the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which bars any government agency or official from burdening a person's exercise of religion. They also allege the interrogations are a part of a broader two-decade-long practice of border officials targeting Muslim Americans because of their religion. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol say, per policy, they do not comment on pending litigation. A new rule just published by the Biden administration will overhaul the way asylum claims made at the border are decided. As KQED's immigration editor Taiki Hendricks reports, that could speed up the process for tens of thousands of asylum seekers. With a backlog of 1.7 million cases in U.S. immigration courts, getting an asylum ruling can take years. Now, specially trained asylum officers, not the courts, will decide most cases. Deepgula Sekaram, a professor of law at Santa Clara University, calls it a major innovation. The process is not adversarial. It's an interview. And so all of those things are more likely to lead to maybe better outcomes for the non-citizen or the asylum applicant, but certainly we might think of as a more friendly process. And he says if there's funding for more asylum officers, the new system could lead to faster outcomes. For The California Report, I'm Taiki Hendricks. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine. This week, reporter Lee Romney tells us about a vibrant young woman from Humboldt County's Hoopa Valley Reservation who lost her life to violence. What happened to her is unfortunately too common in indigenous communities where women go missing or are murdered. Here's an excerpt. Angela Lynn McConnell grew up with her younger brother and their mom in the forested hills of Hoopa Valley. She was proud of her heritage, in addition to her Hoopa roots. She was part Mojave from Park, Arizona, which is her grandma. 
her, her father, Kevin McConnell, his father was Yurok, and he was part Kurukindi. Angela was a budding journalist committed to shedding light on important tribal issues, and she had a light-up-the-room kind of energy. She was so lively, bubbly, giving, very helpful to the family. That's Angela's mom, Tammy Carpenter. Over the past three and a half years, she's had to face the most unbearable loss that any parent could experience. Her only daughter was 26 years old when she was shot to death. I miss talking with her early in the mornings, miss her hugs and her kisses. But Tammy and other family members of missing and murdered Indigenous women have been coming together to demand justice. Family members, if you have a missing and murdered loved one, somebody that's still missing or somebody that's been murdered, please come up and stand with us. The Yurok tribe, right next door to the Hoopa Valley Reservation, has done some research into why cases like these are so hard to solve. One reason, a legacy of mistreatment by law enforcement that's led to deep mistrust. That's why the Yurok police chief is working to educate other cops about that history. And I'll explain that this mistrust of law enforcement comes not from you, but from generations ago. You can hear the rest of that documentary on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on some public radio stations or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's the California Report for Friday, March 25th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer, with assistance from Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Chris Hoff. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin-Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and talk to you on Monday. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org/health-equity. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles? The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 